glad you could join us for episode 108 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we resume our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel. And got to say, Wayne, feels good to be back, even if we were only away for a couple of weeks. Yep, back in the saddle again, talking about some Dark Angel. Uh, you know, the people demanded it, and if we are nothing else, Dave, we are men of the people, and what you ask, we shall give. Yeah, but, you know, truth be told, I, I really like this show, you know, and it, it, we did, what, 22 episodes, and, you know, on the one hand, it, it felt kind of wrong just giving up at that point, but tonight we begin our discussion of Season 2 of Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and, in Season 2, Ashley Scott, so... And Jensen Ackles, too. Oh, okay, that was supposed to be a surprise, but... Uh, <laughs> what? I, no, not much of a surprise. It's in, it's I know, in the credits. Well, I know. Like, but. I was sitting there watching the credits. I'm like, what the hell? Jensen Ackles? Well, you know, how, it, what? Well, you know, last se- last season I was tweeting out about, you know, just like I always do that, hey, we're recording this Dark Angel. And Ashley Scott, I guess, retweeted us or tweeted, you know, that, that and just basically that she, her character is Aisha Barlow. I'm not even sure how you pronounce it yet because they don't actually say her first name in this first episode. Yeah. Did they say her? Did they say her name at all? Well, not in this first episode, but I have seen it in the IMDb credits. Right, but they so. but they didn't say her name at all because I was like waiting for them to say her name, and they never did. So I had to keep writing Ashley Scott in my notes, but that got to be like too much, so I just started putting AS. True story. Yeah. Well, exactly. All right. Well, anyway, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail dot com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab, uh, record your own audio clip, send it as an MP3, or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And hopefully you'll consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. But you know, we haven't done any ratings for quite a while. Obviously, <laughs> obviously we're doing shows that haven't been on the air in in 10 or 12 years, but I did notice. Right. I don't think this one's, I don't think this one has the numbers to make it to season three, Dave. It does not, but uh, Lost Girl Season 5 on Sci-Fi, I thought, you know, I'll just check in and see how it's doing. I mean, not that it matters. There's not going to be a Season 6, and it's not really all that positive. There is a pretty much of a downward trend. Uh, episode 1, 650,000, down to 610, down to 555, and then down to 510,000, so... You know, the season five premiere fell 35% from the season four premiere. And, you know, I I guess that's understandable, especially when you know the show's not coming back for a season six. But you wonder if it continues to limp to the mid-season finale, you wonder how sci-fi is going to handle the second half of the season. Are they just going to, like, burn them all eight at one time? Or, you know, are they going to just maybe go on a week or two delay? Yeah, you know, it's because this brings up, I know we're talking about Lost Girl here, but what I'm wondering is with um, the My- Almighty Johnsons, because they've shown seasons one and two, and there is a third season, but like sci-fi, as far as I can tell, has like zero plans to show season three, which is the last season. And you assume they bought the rights to all three seasons, but I guess you never know. Yeah. Well, here's what so. I think. Because season one and two are on DVD, so maybe they're just buying old DVDs and like kind of showing them, and you know, until <laughs> until the third one comes to the U.S. on DVD, Sci-Fi is just like, ah, we can't do it. 
Yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, some some dark angel related uh, news, sort of. Jessica Alba's got a new film, and and I don't know if you've seen the commercials for it because I've seen it about ten times. It's a film called Barely Lethal, which. Uh, is described on IMDb as a teenage special ops agent coveting a normal adolescence, fakes her own death, and enrolls at a suburban high school. She quickly learns that surviving the treacherous waters of high school is more challenging than international espionage. Of course anyway, it is. Jessica Alba's in it. <laughs> but she's not that teen. She's moved on to playing moms now, right? Didn't you say? I uh, guess. Or, or maybe she's the English teacher. Who knows? Yeah, he knows. but uh, anyway, well, why don't we talk some dark angels? Could you here? imagine season two having Jessica Alba as your English? What's teacher? that? Could you imagine having Jessica Alba as your English teacher? That'd be pretty boss. Yeah, nice. That would be so. All right, well, let's take a look at season two, episode one. Designate this, written by Moira Curlin Decker, who wrote Blah Blah Woof Woof, uh, Rising, and Hit a Sister Back from season one. Oh, those are all solid episodes. Yeah, directed by Jeff Woolnaw, who did The Kids Are I and I and I Am a Camera. And this episode aired September 28th, 2001. Now, Wayne, first of all, I did not like the voiceover during the opening credits sequence with some random woman. I mean, or was it if you Nana, want to do a voiceover. Uh, well, uh, I, th- I was thinking, is that Nana Visitor? It kind of sounded like her, uh, you know, didn't it, a little well, bit? Well... I mean, it didn't to me, but you certainly got experience, uh, you know, with, with her from from was it Deep Space Nine? Or, yeah, but I haven't seen her in Deep Space Nine in like twenty some years. So, uh, okay, but still, so I mean, I guess I could deal with it if it was in fact her, but if it, it were, just kind of rubbed her, me the wrong way. It's a subjunctive. Yes, yeah, good point. So, um, <laughs> but yes, but well, so you're on board. Uh, voiceovers are bad now, right? You're with me. Well, I would have been okay if it was Max or Logan. It's just not her. Heck, I even lied to her. But uh, anyway, yeah. uh, be that as it may, you know, one of the things we wondered about at the end of season one was the role that Jampony would play. And right up front and center, Jampony and Cindy notices the new guy attempt to put his stuff in Max's locker. And of course, she stops him. Oh, no, you don't. And then. And, you know, I, I did. I really like the way they handle this because, I mean, you're coming back for season two we see an eyes only streaming freedom video appearing on the screen and basically the whole point is that logan's recounting the background of manticore and the x5 escape in 2009 which basically helps the new viewer get caught up just a bit yeah, did it seem like he was showing like more of his face at some point there i don't, I don't like when he first started it seemed like you know the the band there was a little bit wider i think it you know um that Logan's getting a little more daring. Well, I didn't notice that, and I certainly believe you, but what I didn't understand was why Eyes Only would announce that he's coming after Manticore. I mean, I get that he's mourning the loss of Max and all that, but, I mean, isn't he kind of committing suicide by saying, hey, I'm coming after you. Uh, go ahead and get ready. Yeah, I, right, right. Or try to find me, you know, like if you weren't already. Yeah. Uh, here, let me help you ramp up your efforts. Yeah, yeah, probably not a great strategy, but you know, Babe Ruth calling the shot. People said, "Hey, what's he doing that for? That's crazy." And then, but you know, if you got the juice to jack it out of the park, then go ahead and call your shot. See, on the opposite end, Alex Ovechkin calls 
Game 7 of the Rangers series. Guarantees the Caps are going to win, and they didn't win. So I was going to say that worked out well. It did um, not work out well. Well, Logan, Logan brings up the picture of Max on his monitor, touches the screen, uh, and then I really liked how, you know, the visual the, that her picture dissolves into the present where we see her training at Manticore, and I'm really digging the camo pants for sure. Yeah, those are sweet. Yeah. I think those were totally in style back then. I seem to remember that. You know, oh yeah, they and they'd have them in the your NFL team's like colors, sports, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and it looked like weren't they kind of like purple and grayish? I mean, they looked like Ravens colors there uh, a little bit. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we might have to go back and check that out. Yeah, uh, but anyway, four five two, aka Max, doesn't seem to be at the top of her fighting game, but you know, it, it appeared to be more of a concentration issue. Uh, you know, and then she does manage to kick the guy's ass until she's called in to see the director. Well, the dude tells her that she must have a lousy heart, you know, right. and he knows what he's saying. Oh, yeah. You know, she takes that personally, right? Yep. yep. You know, X5452, Max is beaten into submission. We, you know, we see this through the flashbacks until she finally abandons her Max persona returning to her Manticore designation. And, you know, not unlike Oliver Queen and his battle with Rasha Ghoul, we certainly wonder whether she's just putting on that she's left her, you know, original life behind. Yeah, but we do know that Manticore has some pretty excellent reindoctrination techniques, oh. as we saw with Bryn. We know that they know how to take someone who was rebellious before and get bring them back into the fold. So when we see Max, though we know in her heart she would never, ever play the game, um, how good is Manticore, though, right, is the question. Oh, dude, I mean, it's one thing to deprive her of food and water, okay? But when they put her in that little trash compact. Oh, and- my God. Oh, that was, that was messed yeah. up. Yeah. Um, you know, and Renfro tells her that she doesn't believe her when she identifies herself as 452. And of course, we don't either. And then she says, but I want to show you something. And and she shows Max what's left of Zach, who's being kept alive artificially. I guess alive is the right word. Yeah, well, his, his yeah, yeah, right. But his eye was working, right? Yeah. So, And he's there because of you. You destroy everything you love. And then tells her that Eyes only thinks you're dead and that's why he's causing so much trouble for us. She plans to kill him and then's going to take care of Max. And again, just like just like Eyes only, why are you telling her this? <laughs> you don't think she's going to try to stop you or or you you're that you have that much hubris that you can control her finally. It's a classic bad guy mistake. Even uh who the guy in I can't remember who Jason Lee in The Incredibles would say, "Oh, you got me monologuing here," you know, like uh yeah, you know, the bad guys always go and reveal all their plans and and for some reason. Yeah. So like the James Bond, right? Oh yeah. Why are people always telling James Bond their their whole, you know, plan to conquer the world? And then you know, he's just he's just gonna go beat you. Yeah. Because you went and told him everything you're gonna do. Well, we see her back in her cell, lights out, and she's cutting away on one of the cinder blocks and utters, My name is Max, and then we go to, you know, the familiar uh, opening credit scene that that with the addition of the voiceover, except with the voiceover, yeah. which yeah was not not good. Was it still the the Chuck D song? Uh, I, I, I forgot to. Yeah. I, I didn't really pay attention to it. I think it's the same song, right? I, I think so. And they may have changed the visuals a little bit, but it was uh, essentially the same. I'll have to pay more attention next time. But uh, 
Uh, all right, so so we come out of the yeah. uh, the commercial. Logan poses as a except for as I said before, like during the the credits, all of a sudden like Jensen Ackles' name is there, and I'm like, what? Well, right? Yeah. Well, I knew that he's all dead and stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. But <laughs> anyway, Logan's posing as a wounded vet at a VA office, and seems he's trying to really track down information about Gillette, Wyoming and ultimately the present location of Manticore. And, you know, so he's obviously not in the system. The rep can't find anything. And then he looks over at blonde Ashley Scott, who fires a gun into the ceiling, stating, we're the S1W and we're here to set this thing right. And I don't know about you, Wayne. It was a little disconcerting seeing Ashley Scott as a blonde, even though Dark Angel came before Birds of Prey. You know, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I thought the whole scene was excellent. Oh, absolutely. Her introduction as a character. And I, I don't know, I guess I've seen enough pictures of her as a blonde. And it's been long enough since we did Birds of Prey that I really didn't think it was unusual so much. And it's, it was just so awesome how they introduced her into the the cast that I was just kind of like, Oh, that's Ashley Scott. You know, I, I forgot that. Like, I mean, I knew she was coming up. I I didn't notice her name in the credits. Probably, I don't know if Jensen Ackles' name came before or after, but that kind of sent me reeling once I saw his name. Uh, but when I saw it, it was Ashley Scott. I was just so happy to see Ashley Scott that just kind of I I didn't even notice the hair. I was just psyched that she it was her. All right, and, and you know, you mentioned the great scene. She sets up a diversion by giving everybody free ration cards which gives Logan a chance to go through the file room. And apparently she does really belong to that group. And we learned that they've worked together many times over the past few years. Uh, so, you know, we wonder whether she was working with him, you know, while Max was in the picture or, uh, you know, I don't think we necessarily have a timetable on, on how long it's been since, you know, her, her supposed death, at least. Right. Well, long enough for Logan's hair to grow out a little bit more and to get a little scruff on the chin. Okay. He's looking rough, he right? He is looking rough, yes. Um, so. Says that she's never seen him get so caught up in an assignment before. And we kind of learned that she doesn't really know that he's eyes only. And then she tells him, you knew one of them, didn't you? And tells her that he watched her die but doesn't believe she's dead. That That is uh, obviously Max. And we can kind of already see a little budding love triangle, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we'll even get to that at the end because I've got a couple of points to make there. But but certainly... I mean, I noticed it like right away, like, oh, she seems like she's kind of into it. Exactly. Him, you know? But we don't really see anything on his end, at least yet. Right. No, no, no. Right. We could see it from... But she definitely seems to be interested. Right. Now, we're, we're back at Manticore, and Max flashes back during training to the exact same regimen that she went through as a child. And then I'm the, I'm looking at the uh, the people lined up, and I'm thinking, is that Grace Park in the second row there? And, of course, it is. And, and you know, we'll see her in a little bit. And, obviously, we know Grace Park from Battlestar Galactica. Right. Uh, Boomer, one, one, yep. one of the Cylon uh, and also one of the Galactica pilots. But Max is in her bunk at night and remembers her last few times with Logan. She hears somebody coming as she's digging, and she's, you know, she's got it down. She gets the block in, gets her bed flipped down, lights go on, and there's your boy standing in the doorway. I know. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> like, wait a second. I, I know, like, and this is your when is dead, dead, right? The first thing I'm like, seriously? 
how how on earth are they going to explain how Ben came back? But of course, it's not Ben. Right. And, and he's kind of puzzled when she says that. And then she just says, you look like somebody I used to know. And this guy is his designation is 494. And, you know, of course, she recognizes Ben's as 493. And as she says, he's been twinned, uh, which I assume, you know, I don't know. Again, in the technical uh, realm, is, is he a clone or is he just another child? Well, she said twin. She said twinned. Well, she said yeah, twin. So not, not twins. Oh. You know what I mean? You know, and it's certainly like yeah. we get to that later scene when after she meets Joshua and there's like six, seven, eight of the same, you know, right. same guy. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and the X sevens too. Like there's right. Is that yeah, what yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's Joshua, right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. With all the X sevens out there. Which actually at this point, so I'm watching them training all these X fives. I'm like why are they even bothering with the X5s? They got these badass X7s out there. You know, it's it's like, am I going to, like, tune up my 78 Oldsmobile when I can get, like, a brand new model? I mean, like, what's going on here? Well, Dave? true, but, I mean, obviously there were problems with some of the X5s, but you wonder whether there were problems with all of them. I mean, Max, obviously her problem was with the seizures, which has been controlled with the medication and and you know we didn't really see any problems with Bryn and Tinga that I recall so you know maybe the the thought is well they're still useful and you know while they may not have the the you know the ultimate fighting skills of the X7s you know they're still useful for the cause so i mean that's what i feel yeah well, wait but but Bryn Bryn did she was sick Remember they had to, because that's why they had to leave her or they had to return her to Manticore because she was, she was dying. Oh, right, right, right. So yeah, the, the X-Fives have loads of problems with it, man. They're, they, they, they all ran away. There's all, yeah. Like, why are they still bothered with the X-Fives? Oh, well, okay. You know, move on. So, all right. Good point. He tells her your fellow trader went psycho referring to Ben and you know then there's some little ben banter and he starts taking his clothes off saying let's get this over with and then we, we learn that he's her breeding partner and that they're there to do it every night till she gets pregnant and obviously this is a result of her blowing up the dna lab she punches him tells him it'll never happen now i was a little surprised at the way he responded to her telling him that it'll never happen i mean he was you know pretty laid back about it yeah well i mean he's a soldier right so he's doing what he does under orders and so it's it's all like scientific and stuff well yeah but but Um, i guess i just thought he doesn't seem to be all that indoctrinated into manticore uh you know i mean it's like okay you know what fine i'll take uh you know i'll sleep for an hour and then leave right Actually, you know what? Now I'm thinking about like at first, I was also surprised by his attitude because he's just like, yeah, like you said, he's all he's like, okay, fine, I'll I'll catch it now. Yeah. But then we start to learn very soon thereafter that he's kind of like running like this side business because it's like a prison, right? I mean, he's not a prisoner per se. Well, I guess he is. They are prisoners, but you know, he's not there for a crime. But they they treat it like a jail, and he's running like a jail because he's selling like vitamins and cigars and things like that uh so he's kind of like morally a little like 
kind of ambiguous, I guess. Yeah, and you know, my first thought is this can't possibly be sanctioned by Renfro, his little side business, but who knows, you know, maybe there's some bizarre reason why she lets that go. You know, maybe she figures that he'll be less likely to run, but you know, we don't get an answer to that, but we then go to Lydecker, who is a broken man. And now he's being given the opportunity by McGinnis to return to the fold. If he gives up eyes only, because obviously the last time we saw them in season one, they were working together. And at this point, I guess I wonder why he'd consider it given what Renfro allowed to occur to his kids. Well, yeah, and at first we're like, really, Lydecker? But, you know, but I, I, I kind of suspected, because he's always got a hidden agenda, you know. Why anyone would trust him at all is just beyond me. I, I was kind of thinking, I, I, you know, I, I get that he wants back in, somehow but i don't think he wants back in to really be back in. yeah i mean i could have figured if he wants back in to throw her out and take take right. control and put the exactly and put the project exactly. on the direction that he wanted to to begin with which um but but like before you just you just never know with lydicker i mean that's why he is really still i think i find the most compelling character in in the show because you just never know what he's gonna do and, and how he's going to roll. Um, I think we're getting a better idea now because we see he does have something, um, his kids, that that is very important to him. And he will make irrational decisions and do irrational things uh, to protect his kids. And so th- there is some kind of moral certitude there with him. But otherwise, but we're still, like from everything else, still... Totally right now, he's unpredictable. Right now, you mentioned protecting his kids, and I, I definitely agree with you because you know we see all the X fives lined up outside, and Renfro asks for reports of how their copulations went, and and we see Grace Park, and apparently her partner failed to achieve mission parameters. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Right, and then when and he's gonna get his ass beat for it too. Like if yeah, and then when asked, uh, Jensen Ackles lies and tells uh, Renfro that not only was it successful, but they did it twice. And yeah. and she seems to believe him, asks Max, what would your boyfriend say? I, I guess referring to Logan. And then she wants to know, and, and really, I guess this is the crux of what Renfro really wants to know in this episode, is whether or not Max received any medical treatments on the outside because we learned that Max's younger X7 self is suffering from progeria, which is a genetic disorder that that's characterized by premature aging. Yeah, we talked about yeah. it before. I did and Project yeah, X, man. And Check Max it out. says no. She doesn't believe her. So I guess we're going to have to do some spinal taps to study your DNA because that could happen to you. Max is back cutting away at the cinder block in her cell that eventually allows her to escape down through this, I guess it's like a boiler room, and sh- something but man i would I, it would take me another month i would need to cut out like another couple blocks like she squeezes in that one block like damn girl well she gets through and she's down there and she hears barking and well, i mean at first i thought okay this must be one of the anomalies but it turns out to be joshua who is an ex with too much canine dna and i love it he can you know it's like he smell he sniffs and it's like Hmm, cat DNA or feline DNA. 
Right. And, so are they not the anomalies? Well, well, I don't think he is. Obviously, you know, later on when when he takes her down that hallway, they definitely are. And, right. Uh, but you know, is he anomaly? I I guess technically he must be. And and she, you know, at, at first is is a little bit put off, but as soon as she realizes he can talk, she kind of befriends him. Yeah, scratches behind his ear, you know, throws a stick for him and stuff. And then we really get some, you know, I really love the the new information that gets thrown at us in this episode. Father named you, he asks her, and he tells her that his father is Sandman. Yeah. Made me, then left me. And, and, and Max is kind of appalled. He made us all, I was first, special. So whatever that means exactly and obviously sandman is going to be a big part i would think of season two at least at this point it would seem yeah big part of an awesome metallica song yeah too. <laughs> now the guards apparently don't know that joshua's down there and i think yeah how does that happen like seriously like manticore to me is just i mean Security there is just really, really slack. I just, sorry, I got to say it. You're supposed to be some kind of super secret operation. You got people breaking in. You got people breaking out. You got the, some half dog guy wandering around your basement. You don't even know it. Seriously? No, I hear you. Um, you know, Alec is, is run, well, he's not Alec yet. Sorry. Spoiler. Uh, but, you know, you got 494 running like a side business. Like what is going on in this place? Yeah. Someone gets some control, Dave. Well, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And he then helps her with a way out, takes her through that hallway with the, you know, that we mentioned the anomaly, uh, the anomalies are kept. And I, you, you can't help but consider a Beauty and the Beast comparison at this point. Sure. And, and clearly he's never had a friend, and we wonder whether he's had any human contact at all. I, I would yeah. tend to think Well, he's not. had enough to... to- pick up the slang right well you wonder or did he learn it uh well yeah he does say that which was pretty he, he mentions that but you wonder whether he learned it just from eavesdropping i mean all right true good point uh, he shows max the barred window to the outside but it's guarded by multiple copies of the same x7 and you know this whole idea what are they doing and Max asks, and Joshua tells her talking, though she clearly doesn't hear anything, but she recognizes it must be, you know, at, at such a high decibel rating. So, right. Well, they got, he says that they had the bat DNA, right? Ex- right, exactly. Um, and, but he can hear them. Yeah. Like Joshua can Right. Hear now, them, we don't know whether he can actually hear what they're saying specifically, uh, but he, do- he certainly does know they're talking to each other. We cut back to Logan, and he's leaving to meet somebody, and he's obviously walking. Ashley Scott's at the door asking if she can stash something, and it turns out to be a box of guns. Apparently, she's got to go through a checkpoint. Now, I'm not sure why she just didn't leave the box of guns at her place, but. Yeah, well, again, you know, we can kind of start to see this relationship between the two of them here. Also, and I know I'm always nitpicking, but. You know, Logan is still in his old apartment, yeah. right? I mean, he got cut off. He like he has no money. He has no source of income. How does he still afford that place? Good point. Probably the same way that Kira Cameron uh, is able to afford her place. In, uh... <laughs> right. But she could just go up to any ATM and, like, get money out, right? Well, hey, he's, you know, eyes only. I you guess, know, maybe right. Maybe he's 
you know, slides a little bit of money into his account. Okay. I mean, who knows? But yeah, good point. Um, well, apparently Deck has given up Logan. And just as we're about to think that, okay, same old Lydecker, he start, he shoots all the Manicore guys because he's still angry that that bitch murdered one of my kids, referring, we assume, to Tinga. You know, I'm not sure. Is it clear whether or not he knows that Max is alive? No. I mean, we just assume that he thinks she's right, dead. Right. right. That's what I figured. Okay. So, yeah, he's definitely talking about Tinga because I think they even have like a flashback there, right? Right, right. And McGinnis, man. One eye? Yeah. That dude just, man, just stay away. Like, really, McGinnis, you're going to like work a deal with Lydecker again? Seriously? Yeah. What's wrong with yeah, you? Well, he, he 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 took your eye, man. You would think, but uh, what we do learn from him, though, is that that tank was an extraction chamber that allows Renfro to find something in the girl's DNA, and he, you know, Deck uh, asks Logan, "So you want to know about Manticore? Uh, yeah, you think?" We cut back to Max and Joshua. And they're sawing away at the window bars. And, and of course, you know, obviously we know how they finally get through at the end. He's like, oh, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> he pulls the whole, you know, frame out. But, the, you know, Max is now faced with, you know, I guess the unenviable task of telling Joshua the truth about the problem with him coming with her, which is that there's nobody like you in the world. Yeah. So... I mean, poor Joshua, right? Just wants to go with Max. Um, Max realizes that that you know if he'll stick out like a sore thumb, so bringing him along, not really an option. But still, you know, like you can't help but feel for Joshua. You know, like he's 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 a loyal dog. I mean, he's not a dog, but you know, he's he's loyal like a dog. Right. He has that. He has that. Uh probably bred into him so it's certainly understandable and look we know how things are going to turn out when, when the place gets torched so in the end i guess um, you know he does get away but uh yeah but at the time though it's kind of it's kind of emotional it was for me i'm like i'm a dog person so you know oh, like, i am too absolutely you know, and, like and, i was just absolutely. like you just almost hear him go mm, 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 you know, like that <laughs> yeah uh well anyway so max returns to her cell uh, after a night of sawing the bars and, you know, Ben two or five, four, nine, four is waiting for another date. And he's, he tells her he's not going to turn her in. You know, what she does is her business. And, and, you know, they have that conversation. She's like, well, don't you know, you're just being used by Manticore. And he doesn't think at all that he's being used. And in fact, you almost get the attitude that he feels like he's using them. And you wonder, well, is this new breed? of x5 are they all like him yeah i don't know or it could be just you know human nature you can't you can only do so much um there is a nurture side to our personality as well it's not all inbred and so just as in anywhere out in the world you're going to get people who are wheelers and dealers and scammers and businessmen i guess, guess we don't really have to say he's a scammer he's just got like a good head for business we could say i guess well are, are we saying that lydecker is a nurturer well no i'm just saying that things you can't control everything like they try to control everything but you can't there's so many facets that go into the development of the human personality you you can't 
micromanage all of them at somewhere along the line just you know human instinct or nature is going to play out yeah but it just seems like Lydecker when he was in charge he did micromanage everything I mean we certainly didn't have any experience with x5s that had this kind of mindset for sure well he's also an x5 who has never escaped right well that's true he's he's been there his whole life and so has that I, I guess we can see like like there's a development of a society within the manticore community there of course i guess you could argue he doesn't see any need to escape he's got everything he needs three squares a day a place to sleep attractive girls sure so yeah but uh but then i like you know the whole idea of taking a name you know really becomes significant and, and and we didn't really think a lot about that in season one i mean we we were introduced to her as max and that's who she was but she decides she's going to give him a name she's going to call him alec as in smart alec but uh, she does have a second choice yeah the second choice was dick hello freud <laughs> yeah uh well then, then we get to renfro and you know, I don't want to say she's different in, in this opening episode than she was in season one, but she seems a lot more open to Max. And she tells her that, you know, the committee's not going to allow Manticore to be exposed and then threatens Max to get her to help find eyes only. And I, I don't know, I, I guess it's almost, again, like telling somebody your plan we get what she's trying to do and and then she tells max that i'll burn it to the ground rather than risk exposure and i'm thinking like okay again yeah, right uh been there done that yo so yep. um but uh, but yeah i mean she just falls into the the common bad guy trap of monologuing right like i am gonna spill my guts and tell you the entire evil plan because you're not getting out of here. There's no way you're going to escape. There's no way you're going to stop me. So I'm going to just let you know what the whole thing is. Right. And I know some of it's a storytelling technique, but, uh, but the, the scene that then confuses me is right after this, Max wakes up in her bunk, breathing heavily, clearly had a bad dream. Makes me think, was she just dreaming this? I I don't think so, but I have to, you know, consider it. Yeah, I I don't think you know it didn't strike. I didn't put anything down as it being a dream. I don't think it was a dream. I just you know it was just weird though. Right now, one of the questions we've had is whether or not Renfro knows that Logan is eyes only, and Alec, you know, basically tells Max that no, oh, no, no, she knows. Uh, and then we see Alec and Joshua helping her escape, and you know we've got the you know the whole they've been sawing away at the window, and finally Joshua is like, well. I could get that out. And he just yanks the whole window frame and all out. And yeah, I like also that the way she's kind of able to um, convince Alec eventually to help her out, to help her escape. And she says, well, you know, you're going to get a new breeding partner. It's like, Oh, good point. <laughs> I yeah. find someone a little bit more amenable than you then. So, okay, that's all fine. That's fine. Right now, you know, on retrospect and doing the rewatch initially, you know, we see Alec take out a bunch of the X sevens. And yeah. Joshua stops her from getting shot after she leaps over the fence. But now, you know, in retrospect, was that all part of a plan? You know, did they just let him take them out? Right. Well, that's, you know, the classic Star Wars thing, you know, like Han Solo gets the Millennium Falcon out of there and, you know, Princess Leia comes over and just, you know, pees all over his victory saying, 
it was too easy. They let us go, right? So, um, yeah, I was totally thinking that, especially when she goes straight back to Logan, um, because she still has the tracker in her head, right? Or, or not the, the tracker, so. the the implant that they can right. track. Um, I think it's still in their head. I don't recall them, you know, removing it, and so they could just track her right back to Logan. Easy peasy, right? And you, so you why not it, let her escape and just just keep track of her and find out where she goes? Unless for some reason they don't have that equipment anymore, although that doesn't seem like it's that high technology. I mean, but it was in a van, right? Yeah. So just saying. Yeah. All right. Well, Eyes Only is trying to broadcast the location of Manticore. Oh, I'm sorry. We just, we, one thing we forgot that we were remiss is, uh, you know, Joshua's penchant for the slang that uh, Cindy and, and Max use. And as she's leaving, he's like, you blaze. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, he, he, he does have a few slang terms. And, and, you know, we wonder whether he just picked it up from eavesdropping, which is, you know, I guess what I contend. But. Who yeah, knows? Or maybe um, just, you know, there's a you know bunch of high school age kids in there. You know, maybe just got it from them. That's true. Or where they would have well, gotten it from is another question there, right? Yeah. Well, Logan is trying to broadcast the location of Manticore to the world. He loses his satellite link. And at first I thought maybe that he was being jammed by Manticore, but I think it was just, you know, his technology went down. But he turns around, finds Max standing there. She goes straight to Logan's, and I know you're going to say I was happy at this point, but you would be right. Yeah. Uh, and she, though, understands she's got to get him out of there because she knows Manticore's after him, kisses him, and then he immediately collapses, convulsing, and we see Alec off to the side. Ah, it was all part of a bigger plan. Yep. He is a dick. Yep, should have known. Yeah, right. I mean, he knew she would lead him to Logan, and we assume he's just going at uh, Renfro's bidding, which obviously is the case. Uh, So we find out she's been given a retrovirus, which she passed on to Logan. Obviously, she's immune to it. And now it comes down to if you want the antigen, then you've got to give me what I want. Right. And so, you know, they kind of got her there a little bit. Right. And Renfro, what she wants is to know why Max hasn't developed progeria. Right. And they find something in her DNA, which apparently they haven't seen before. And they, you know, Renfro obviously said before, you know, did you have some sort of medical treatment when you were on the outside? Max says no. But, you know, whether she's lying or not, we, we well, don't so we know. know she's lying. She's, she's been taking the, the tryptophan, right? Well, that's true. Right, right. So there's that, but, but yeah, I mean, well, Renfro sees the medical report and is alarmed by something she sees so much that she shoots the guy who gave it to her, which, you know, bad management practice. Well, see, I guess I thought she just shot him because he knows something and she's just tying up. He knows what's in the report. Oh, right, right, right. She she didn't shoot him just for the hell of it. (laughs) Well, then she calls somebody who speaks French I guess in Quebec, I, I can't imagine uh, it's in France, but you never know. But it just could be in Haiti. Could even be in Vietnam. Um, then Max sends out the transmission, which Logan was trying to send, reveals Manticore's location, and now Renfro is told immediately cauterize the facility. And here we go, round two. Meanwhile, Logan's getting worse, and then uh, 
you know, we got this crazy scene. Uh, Alec drops his gun and suddenly Ashley Scott shows up and she's holding Alec at bay. And, and you know, it, it just seems like every time you blink, somebody else has the gun. Right. It's, it's yeah, the gun is moving at a pretty fast pace from one hand to the other, but it ends up in, in Alex's hands. So Max's quest is obviously for the cure. Uh, and in the meantime, she she gets it, frees everybody, including the anomalies, clearly so that they avoid getting killed in all the destruction that's about to rain down. All hell's breaking loose. Joshua risks his life helping the other anomalies towards safety, which was, again, a pretty poignant scene, I thought. You know, right up there with the one you mentioned a few minutes ago when Max tells him he can't come with her. Yeah, well, I mean, Joshua has you know, really proved his worth, right? Like, I mean, we were always very sympathetic to him the entire episode, and here he's now, like, officially heroic, um, as is Max, right? Max isn't into destroying life, and certainly not innocent life, and um, and we don't know for sure that the anomalies are innocent per se. We don't know why or how they're down in that in those cells, but it's life nonetheless. And she even wants to save Renfro. Right. I mean, I think that's an interesting idea in, in that, you know, uh, clearly they didn't do anything wrong to be placed down there. They, they, you know, it was just well, all. Well, they might have. Fa- we don't know. Well, I guess I always figured it was just faulty genetics. And then the question for me is, well, then why didn't you just euthanize them? I mean, it's not as if this seems to be an organization that really you know, is interested in keeping loose ends around. Yeah, not a lot to. of nostalgia at, uh, at Manticore. You know? Right. So you wonder, do they serve some kind of purpose, which obviously we are not privy to yet? Max grabs Renfro, and I certainly didn't see it coming that Renfro would I mean, is it fair to say she took a bullet for Max? She totally took a bullet for Max, yeah. and more than fair to say that. You know, and then the soldier that shot her, you know, shoots that look at Max and's like, I won't say anything if you don't. Yeah, we're all good here. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, and, and she Renfro, ran into a bullet that was going yeah. by. Yeah, Renfro tells Max, you know, you're you're the one we've been looking for, and you've got to find Sandman, which is now obviously the second time we've heard about Sandman. Yeah. Max has the cure, the facility blows up, and I mean, at this point, based on what we heard from Joshua, Sandman is their father, whatever well, that means. His his father. Well, and, and now we have to wonder whether he is the father to all the exes. We wonder. We don't, I mean, we don't know at this point. Yeah. I mean, certainly have to consider it. Why else would she tell her to find Sandman? Right. And we know it's, it's not Lydecker. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Pretty, well, like okay. I guess I'm just going on the assumption that the dude that Renfro was speaking French. We don't know if the other dude was speaking French, right? Right. He could have been speaking anything. We don't hear him, but we know Renfro is speaking French. So we'll just go with the assumption that he was also speaking French. So he is a French speaker, and is you know you say Quebec, I say maybe France, right. but either way. That's that's probably not. Oh, it's, it's definitely not Lydecker. Well, right, because she would have said, "Find Lydecker." Right to Max. True. I mean, we unless get why she Joshua wants to be really, really cryptic. Exactly. All right. Well, we're back at Logan's. Ashley Scott is administering the antigen to Logan, who immediately is recovering. Max is concerned she's going to reinfect him, so she keeps her distance. Plans to leave, and uh, you know, again, I'm. 
wondering whether or not that's more about just a, a fear of commitment or whether she really, I mean, she, I guess, still has the antivirus in her and I guess well, could reinfect him. Well, that's what, um, that's what Renfro told her, you know, that, that, that thing will never die. You'll always have that. And they only had the one little thing of antigen. So should she infect him again, there would be absolutely no way to save him. So that kind of sucks. I mean, this is like the most snake bick relationship ever, right? Well, no question. Like, and, and as now, a shipper, you must be dying here. Well, I mean, it is Ashley Scott, so I'm not dying too badly. But, uh, uh, you know, now that she's in the situation, we have to start asking ourselves, well, how long have they been working together? Were they working together when Max was in the picture before she was, uh, you know, w w when we thought she was killed? And then how come Max doesn't ask, dude, who is this girl? Yeah, right. Yeah, who is this girl who's kind of surplanting me? Right. Uh, but, but I, you know, obviously they have been working together for a while now so that we actually see a relationship occurring here. Is it a romantic relationship? Well, not yet, but we can see it. it's going that way. So it's been long enough. Now, we don't even know how long Max has been in the pokey, right? So how much time has passed since season one ended? I mean, obviously enough time that her heart is at a point where she can do, you know, fighting and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, there's a lot we don't know. I would suspect that she was not in the picture uh, before he met Max. Um, but again, like we don't know how long it's been since Max left. Long enough right. for his hair to grow out a little bit and his beard to grow out a little bit, as I think I said before. Yeah. Um, well, you, you know, mentioning even before where we talked about the opening scene where uh, it, for the sake, I think, of new viewers, he kind of lays out the history of Manticore and, and, you know, how we got to the point that we're at. And he kind of voices the questions that we all have at this point, that there are now dozens of Manticore kids out in the world, most of them anomalies, and the government be that as it may, whatever the government is, is going to have to deal with them. And how are they going to deal? How are the kids going to act? Are they going to keep a low profile? Certainly the ones like the X7s and the X5s who certainly seem to have the intellect to understand that uh, we need to keep a low profile. Uh, so You know, a lot of questions out there. Yeah. And yeah, because that's a lot of you know, metahumans, for lack of a better term, that have just been unleashed upon Seattle or Wyoming, right? Somewhere. No, they're in Seattle, right? But wasn't what wasn't the Manticore base? Isn't that in Wyoming or? Well, originally it was. I don't know if we do. We know where. I mean, that was what what Logan was trying to track down where the new facility is. Okay. I mean, the original one was. That's a lot of that's a lot of stuff coming down on that city. Yeah. Especially this X sevens, man. They're they're crazy. Well, they are, and they don't have the experience that say the X fives have. And yeah. obviously we, we we know uh somebody like uh you know Ben Two or Alec is certainly wise enough to be able to blend in and probably get a little business going. Right. But those X sevens, I don't know. But what's really striking to me is just how empty both Max and Logan seem. You'd think they'd be, at least be a little bit happy to be reunited. I mean, I get now we've got the problem with the 
with the uh, antivirus, but still, can't you from a distance let each other know that you're, you know, you're happy all of this worked out? At you're least just to, such to this a point? pathetic shipper. It's just unbelievable. Uh, I understand. <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> but well, yeah, I, I mean, like they're just they're they're super bumming because every time they get close to one another and and getting to this point where being able to, I don't know acknowledge their relationship or whatever something messed up happens and like this is the most messed up thing of all because they can't even touch and so you know but you know ashley scott can touch him and and alec can touch her so you know this whole love rectangle thing could uh could make a real mess here yeah who's the shipper now all right anyway i'm just you know (laughs) teaching midsummer night's dream so it's kind of on my mind yeah Okay. Um, well, final scene. We, we, you know, we feel at home now listening to Max reflect from the top of the space needle, talking about the changes that have occurred and realizes things are going to get even stranger than before. And then we cut to that night street scene. And one of the anomalies is looking around, scoping things out. And, uh, you know, I, I almost feel like, you know, we're going to see the next day a news broadcast about, you know, some Jack the Ripper ish type murder or something along those lines well i just don't think the anomalies have it in them to really keep a low profile especially no. since they've been locked up in cages for god only knows how long right sure i mean since sure. max was a little kid i mean so, so the major questions we have coming out of the episode who is sandman what's his role in the manticore project probably that, that, to um exit light and enter night i think is probably his job okay uh is renfro dead uh, what about the disk that she had with the data? Was it destroyed in the fire? Doubt it. What's Max's mission going to be to round up the anomalies? I mean, is she going to make that her personal crusade? Because it, to a certain extent, it benefits her to get them rounded up and yeah, keep her mind off Logan too. You know. Well, I guess, but you know, <laughs> trying to lay low, and and more importantly, will we back be back to jam pony at some point? Yeah, there is a shocking lack of jam poniness in here. It starts off with it, and then that's it, right? Yep. So, and the even sketch I, was he even in it at all? I think he was like a little bit. Oh, was he? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was normal Cindy. was. Yep, but and Cindy, uh, really strong episode, I thought. Yeah. Uh, it was it was fantastic i mean thank you to all those who uh basically harassed and harangued us into doing it um i'm glad we did because this it was a great episode and i'm really excited for our, um you know where they can go with this not that i didn't yeah. like season one but it, season two i mean they've really turned it up to 11 here on season two am i right Yes, you are. Yeah, so, you know, uh, and it's all out there. I mean, they got you got the anomalies out there. You got the X sevens. You got the X fives, and they got all kinds of former Manticore captives. I guess, for lack of a better word, now free and loose in the world. You know, I was just think about Bryn today. Like, what's her story now, right? Yeah, especially that Renfro's dead. You got Lydicker, who is a complete loose cannon. Right. And, and again, we, you know, we don't know what to make of him. I mean, no. what does he really feel for these kids? I mean, is he still in this militaristic mindset and that these are soldiers? And like he said, you know, rather than, you know, losing a thousand soldiers in a battle, we can send out a hundred of these and lose none. Yeah, I 
I, I still feel like he does have that like almost paternal connection to the X-Files, especially for Max, as we know that he used his wife's DNA to, to create her. Um, so I, I kind of am at the point now where I'm no longer doubting that his paternal instincts towards them, but still, you know, like, like we saw before with the whole thing with McGinnis, you know, like we thought he was really going to hand Logan over and then he killed all those other guys. It's just, it's, it's mental. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what's he going to feel for the X-7s? Does he have a connection with them the way he does with the X-5s? Right. Yeah. So. And what happened to little Max? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like poor little Max. I don't think anyone hauled her out of there. Not that I noticed, yeah. but yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, listen, we did have some listener feedback, and I forgot to put it in this at the beginning. The you I forgot, didn't you? I did. So we heard from Lily this week who says, hi, Dave and Wayne. Thanks she does not toil, and neither does she spin. No. What? The lilies of the field from the Bible? Come on, man. Oh, good point. All right. I never heard of that. Anyway. What? <laughs> I'm a heathen. Thanks. Not not too bad, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you have some re- heathenish qualities. I do. Right. Thanks Lily, I wasn't making fun of your name, though, but I'm going to let Dave read the letter now. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for reviewing Dark Angel Season 2. I'm thrilled you guys decided to talk about it. This is where the series and Max really find their way. I'm excited to see two through your eyes. You guys are my favorite genre TV podcasters and have great chemistry. Oh, Obviously, we appreciate shucks. That. I'm blushing. Yep. Now, have you guys considered reviewing Harsh Realm, Millennium, VR5, sadly canceled after one season, and even The X-Files? Not trying to add work to your schedule, but there's such great shows from the 1990s that people just don't know about. I feel like she's totally trying to add work to our schedule, though. Well, you know, it's uh, hey, we love doing it. Yeah, we do. Um, I I certainly remember Millennium. That that came on the heels of X Files. Uh, I think that was Lance Henriksen, and it was really like a dark. uh, I don't want to say Satanistic, but it it, it certainly had a dark, evil overtone. Uh, Oh, VR five. I had to look up, and once I read the uh, the write up, I did remember it, but I didn't watch it. I and think I saw VD5, but that was like on late night on HBO one night. So <laughs> Now, Harsh Realm, I, I haven't looked up yet, and I don't remember it. Obviously, the X-Files. Um, yeah, we are absolutely the, not doing the X-Files. No well, way. We're, well, right. I mean, we've been doing an episode here and there. Who knows? But, right. but I mean, that's the show that really got me back into television and really got me back into reading science fiction and, and making an attempt to pick up on the things that I'd missed. She also says that public libraries buy DVDs of TV series, and if the library doesn't own the title, individuals can ask their library to purchase or at least use interlibrary loan to get the title. And she says, I had to do this with VR5 since it's not on DVD as of yet. And, you know, you and I have both used the library from time to time for sure. Sure, yeah. I, I use my library all the time to, to rent stuff. And, and uh, it's all, because when we first moved here, they still charge you the rent, but now they don't. So it is, that is spectacular. It's great. Yep. Love the library. Yep. Go visit yep. your library. Get away from the computer. Go smell some real books. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, it's, I was thinking about that the other day. It's been a while. And, and yeah, I mean, you know where I live. You know where the Westminster Library. I mean, I'm I like, do. you know, what, five minutes from there? So actually, I'm probably even closer to the Finksburg. Yeah, but, you're uh, close to the Finksburg, which is a really nice library. It has a drive-up window. I, I mean, know. How, cool is that? how awesome is that? I love it. Yeah. 
But, uh, well, anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. want to thank you guys for joining us. We'd love to hear from you about Dark Angel, Firefly, or anything else you think we should be watching. And we'd also like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week with episode two of Firefly, entitled The Train Job. But until then... You know, Dave... I really hope that over the summer, I'm, well, I don't know if I really hope, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of would like to get back into the studio so we can be in like the same room when we record. But honestly, Dave, you spend half your life out there in the filth and degradation. I could catch something.